1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, and we'll read a couple of verses. Now the word of the Lord reads as follows. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So note it says we're a body, but we're also members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, and then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? And notice it says healings, not just one healing. It's different types of healings. So there are gifts of healings. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Father, we thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you prepare hearts and open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might clearly understand uh, the kingdom of God and how to operate in the kingdom of God. Mature us, O Lord. Bring us to that place where, uh, Father, we respond even as Christ responds. That we might truly live in Christ. That, my, that Christ might live largely in us, my God. Mightily in us and through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Um, I'm excited about uh, what we're going to experience in a couple of days. But because of that, I thought it necessary to just share with you some of the potential scenarios that we will um, encounter. First and foremost, not everybody preaches like me. Hello? You need to understand that. I tend to uh, share uh, when I'm with you, uh, step by step, line upon line. So I, I more uh, teach. If I go to other places, I notice God uses me in a different way. But here I, I tend to just teach. Uh, with you, I'm, I'm more fatherly and more pastoral in nature. But uh, the gifts, they um, manifest in different ways according to the need. But usually prophets would come in and they'll blow the, the lid off the roof. And by that I mean is, you know, they're going to come and say things that will offend you. Things that you might question. Another thing I've come to understand is that the more mature you are, the more you'll respect that people have different opinions. And you'll be alright with it. Uh, many Christians, if you don't believe exactly the way they do, they get actually offended at you. They say you're going to split hell wide open. Um, they get angry that you don't believe the way they, that you do. They think that you're, you're in some weird off-base uh, type of belief system. And so the most important thing we can understand is that um, the gifts belong to God, but God uses broken vessels. Say to your neighbor, you're a broken vessel. See, we're imperfect. And, and even in our interpretation of some scriptures, sometimes... Or, uh, not only that, not just the interpretation, but also in our experience, the church we were raised in. How many of you, were, you know, have any experience in a Catholic church? How many of you have any experience in the Pentecostal church? How many of you have any, any experience in the Baptist church? Presbyterian church? Okay, so you have varied experiences. So, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit and uh, an atmosphere that is operating in the gifts... From our perspective, we will tend to want to discern it. We will tend to want to interpret it based on our background. Our background might be more quiet, nuanced. Our background, if you're Pentecostal, might be more overt. A lot of speaking in tongues, a lot of manifestations, crazy manifestations. 
I have been in, in circles where everything is very quiet. There is no active worship. It's, it's not, there's not even lifting of hands. There's just a, a solemn, quiet honoring of God. And when I'm in Rome, I do as the Romans do. Understand? So I, I've noticed each and every denomination has their different way that they emote. I've been in charismatic circles where there are people, I mean, writhing on the floor, literally rolling all over the floor, falling back and busting their heads open, screaming and crying. And, you know, uh, literally, I've, I've been in more exaggerated situations where I heard people bark and act like birds. So I, I've come to understand that human beings can be very emotive in nature. And I'm no longer bothered with that other than the concern I have for somebody that comes off the street that doesn't understand what's going on and, whoa, I'm not going in that crazy house, and then they just walk away. So I'm concerned about that. Me, as, as a believer, I understand people respond differently. Um, Wednesday might come and the prophet might point somebody out, please stand, I have a word for you, and that person might fall back. I have no problem with that. Just don't hurt yourself. I have a, I, I've seen others where the prophet will come in um, or anybody for that nature receive a word and they start crying. Another one will start jumping up and down and dancing. I've seen people literally run around the church. Literally, just run around the church. They receive, ah, and, shh, and run around the church and everybody's going, glory to God, hallelujah. <laughs> I've seen all of this. Oh yeah, amazing. I've seen people um, really uh, severely oppressed of the devil and it would be exposed during the service and the prophet will expose and that person suddenly falls down on the floor, starts vomiting and starts writhing in pain and agony. So I, I just want to tell you, one or more of these things might happen this Wednesday or Thursday. I don't want you to be alarmed. I don't want you to be amazed. I want you to just understand that people respond differently and they have different issues. They also have different cultural nuances. Some people might, might, might jump up and dance. Others might just be like that. Others, the, the prophet might touch them. They might fall back. I just say, um, deacons and ushers, be ready. Yeah, be ready. Because if somebody falls back, I've, I actually saw in a church where uh, the catcher, I, they call them catchers in some churches, wasn't there at the time. And the lady, who by the way, they were praying over her because she had a tumor in the head. Okay? So he prays over her and she falls back and there was nobody to catch her. And it wasn't a nice soft chair like this that was right behind her. And it was the perfect setup because her body was here. It wasn't here. So she could just let it... She was right here. So as she fell and her head is right there. Where did her head hit? Bam! I'm going... Oh... <laughs> I hurt for this lady. So she fell back. We don't know if she was, uh, you know, out for the count or we didn't know if she was dead or whether the Lord was working all over her. You know, it's, it has, I'm smiling because it has a, a funny ending. Not funny, no, it's not funny. It's an amazing ending. Yes. You know, <laughs> the tumor left. I, I, I don't get it. Tumors just don't leave like that. But in that case, God healed her. But we need to understand also that there's a lot of litigation going on in this world today. Mm -hmm. So people will come to this church seeking healing and they'll get hurt and they'll sue the church for a million dollars. So, you know, uh, ushers, really, we depend upon you in, in these, especially during these times where there's a lot of emoting. So what we'll do is, 
if we see something like that and, and we need to minister to a person that needs deliverance, we'll just quietly lift them up, take them, to, take them downstairs. Because one thing I will not allow in a service is a, a devil in someone or, or a spirit in someone to take over the service. I've seen churches where they are, come on in the, come ah! And literally are fighting for half an hour. And everybody's just standing there looking. Oh my God. And you know what's happening? Several things. Number one, the whole service got distracted. Number two, that person is suffering. Person suffering. Why in the world are you going to allow a person to jump all over the floor and writhe around? And it doesn't make sense. So what we do is we have the authority. We arrest that spirit in the name of Jesus. It says, be calm. Amen. I want to speak to the person. Amen. And then we take them downstairs, finish ministering to them, and continue the service so everybody else can get ministered to. Amen? Amen. So it's nothing that should freak you out. Nothing that should drive you bananas. These things happen all over the world. In some cases, that's what people want. They want that. And the whole services are, revolve around that. Not here. Because it doesn't edify. And in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in the last verse, it says, Let everything be done decently and in order. So we will seek to, again, uh, even allowing the Lord. I, I don't want to hinder what God wants to do. I just know the difference between God doing something and human beings taking over. And not allowing God to do what He wants to do. Amen. You see, So we have to, uh, again, as, as we mature in the Lord and, and these things happen, you know, it will happen. What will happen is people will come, um, your, your uncles, your aunts will come, your friends. They'll get delivered. They'll get set free. They'll see the glory of God and say, oh my God, He's real. They'll experience it in their own hearts. And many churches have too much head knowledge, but we don't have no experience, not enough experience in the Lord. So, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, look what it says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So what's, what's the difference? What's, what's the big thing of prophecy versus over other gifts? Then it continues. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. And, and no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So tongues, as amazing as they are, nobody understands them. But he who prophesies, and prophecy there does not only mention or talk about, you know, yea, the Lord would say, but actually speaking from the word of God. Teaching it. See, that's a form of prophecy. It's a form of forth-telling. You're, you're, you're teaching from the prophetic word. So when you prophesy uh, the word of the Lord and, and you preach the word of the Lord, people understand. When you speak in tongues, people don't understand. So if you read the whole chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says to desire prophecy over speaking in tongues. In other words, your personal experience as you speak in tongues edifies you. Let's continue. Look at verse 12. Even as you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. In other words, it's not just for personal experience. I'm not just here as a believer to just receive an experience for myself. I want people to be genuinely edified. Amen. See, as we mature in the Lord, we shift. See, as children, I want that lollipop. I want that toy. I want me, me, me. Ah, I don't get my way out. You know, children are that way. They're, they're by nature, they're selfish. I want milk. I want it now. Right? Isn't it true? Anybody has a, any experience with children? Yes. Anybody here was a children at one point? Okay, so you know those times. Those, 
when you were selfish by nature. But as you mature, you realize it's not, not all about me. The, the universe doesn't revolve around me. The universe didn't start when I was born. I just was born into part of a process. So it says, it says here that as we mature and we're zealous, we want spiritual gifts, but let's make sure that it's for the edification of the church. Therefore, verse 13, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. One of the gifts of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. But there's another gift called interpretation of tongues. So tongues and interpretation of tongues is equivalent to prophecy. Because now you're getting the understanding of what was spoken in the Spirit, what was spoken in mysteries, because it was not in, the, in an intelligible language that we can understand. Then it says, Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Well, I'll pray with the Spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. Notice, you can also sing with the Spirit. You're going to run into scenarios as you go to other churches or maybe even here where a person might sing in the Spirit. And it's lovely when you see that done in a genuine way. It says, I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, if you bless, the, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? At your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. For indeed, you give thanks, but others are not edified. Then Paul says something very interesting. He said this, I speak, I thank my God that I speak more tongues than each and every one of you, than you all. But yet in the church, I would rather speak the words with my understanding that I might teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So notice his maturity. His maturity was... I'm not coming to church just to be blessed. I want to edify other folk. So we need to come to a place in our walk with God that it's no longer just me wanting to be blessed because I recognize I'm already blessed. I'm recognized that it's Jesus in me. I recognize that God is with me. I'm already blessed. Now I become a blessing. Oh God, will you bless me today? He is blessing you. He's with you. He never forsakes you. He never leaves you. You are now, as it were, a walking word because Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Amen. You understand? So now, as you mature in God, it's no longer about what you can get. Now, it's about what you can give to others. So as God starts revealing to you what gifts you operate in, whether they be administrative, whether it be mercy gifts, what, what type of gift do you have? What gifts do you have? Encourager. Encourager. Okay. Okay. Very powerful gift. Anybody? How, do you have you identified a gift or two inside? Administrative and servant-based servant gifts. Very powerful, very necessary. Without that, churches will not function. Anybody else? Teaching. Teaching. Leadership. Leadership. Okay. Anybody else? Helping others. Helping others. Okay. Servant-based gift. Amen. Very powerful, very necessary gifts. And the more we understand who we are the more we now can say, okay, here is how I can help others. In my early days, man, I wanted to be just like that evangelist. I, wanted, I mean, I would just emulate them and say, yeah, see the way they preach, the way they teach. I wanted to be just like them. But after a while I realized it's, it's foolish because God didn't make me like Him. As I matured, I realized, oh, I see, I'm an individual. Even though we're part of the body, my function is different than the other person. So before I used to think, I used to put greater importance on some gifts. I don't know if you've done that, but I have. 
I said, wow, man, I'm, uh, I wish I wasn't this one. That one's better. That one's bigger. That one gets more celebration in the body of Christ. But yet God says that God gives greater honors to or honor to the parts that don't seem so significant. So here on earth, we celebrate some gifts. Man, we could celebrate the guy that could preach, the guy or gal that can preach, I mean, a congregation into a frenzy, right? We will celebrate the prophet, because this house, I'm sure, will be full this coming Wednesday. Amen. But bring a teacher here, you get like 30 people. <laughs> See, we, we, we're, not, we're not understanding. We're not mature yet. So we celebrate like the world celebrates. And that's a big mistake. The greatest gifts in the kingdom of God here on earth are not celebrated. So these gifts of administration, these gifts of mercy, these, these servant-based gifts that, that just will come in and, and bring everything to order. You know, I look at some of you and, and you know, Kathy's not here because she's in Connecticut now. But one of the greatest gifts we've ever had in this house, and you, you all know it, is Kathy Lang. Yeah. Kathleen Lang. I mean, she would take it, Mama Lang, we call her, Mama Kathy. She'll go downstairs, she'll make, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, she'll make sandwiches for king. It won't just be a sandwich, it'll have like gold petals on it. Tomato, I mean, come on, I'm getting hungry already. The point is, God honors that gift. In the, in the kingdom of God, she's great. You, you understand? So we need to understand that. We need to get away from the small way we think and to think like God thinks. Each one of you have a very powerful and important gift. And the reason why this church has not excelled yet the way it's supposed to. What I see in the spirit is not what I see here in the natural. So I've matured to the place that even though I feel pain, when I, if I don't see the type of growth that I think we should already be at, my maturity tells me continue to wait, just continue to feed, just continue to... Now it's time to bring the body of Christ over. Well, Pastor, why didn't you do it last year? It's because we weren't ready. We weren't ready. But now I think we're at the beginning stage. I think that as, as we start allowing the body of Christ to come in and share from their unique perspective, it's going to impact us. But it's very important that all of us understand, it's not about you just coming and receiving. We become almost as receivers. That's not what, we're, what we are. We're part of a body. When part of your body doesn't work, what do you do? Hmm? Others have to compensate, but if suddenly you wake up and part of your body is not work, working, what is it that you do? Okay, how? Medical. So in other words, oh my God, here's a problem, I'm going to the doctor. It, it, really, if my arm were to wake up asleep, first thing I would do, okay, I slept on it. Then it doesn't wake up, so I got a problem. What happens? Everything shuts down. I don't go to work, forget about my plans. I was going to go see a movie, I was going to play basketball, suddenly that shut down. I have to take care of this part of the body. This is now more, now more important than my petty little stuff. Uh, is it just me or? No, no not me, man. I got to do my stuff. I got to go play basketball. <laughs> you don't get, no, you're not going to do that. You are going to go to the hospital and you want to make sure that thing gets taken care of. But the truth of the matter is that's how important all of us are. But yet, in our head, since we're immature, and I have to say it that way, we don't care that we're like this in the body of Christ. We don't care that we're not helping the body of Christ to be, you know, become mature. So this is where God's taken us. He's taken us to a place of maturity where we know we're part of the body, 
But we know we're part of the body individually and that as we activate our gift, now the body receives health, That's right. strength. Amen. We become formidable because now we're acting like a body. But that is one of the greatest levels of maturity a church can ever arise to. So, <clears throat> having said that, one of the first things we need to uh, um, understand today is we need to realize that the gifts belong to God. Say to your neighbor, the gifts belong to God. They belong to God. Simple as that. They belong to God. But the second thing is that they dwell in human vessels. They dwell in you and me. And here's the issue. The issue is, the larger the church grows, the more problems you're going to have with the gifts. Let me explain why. Because God is going to decide to use somebody you don't like. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory. What, who, what, what did, what's that person operating in the gifts like that for? That person is not supposed to be operating in the gifts that way. The gifts will operate where God wills because God's the one that gives them. Amen. How dare us think that God can only use that person because I like him. God can only use that person because I like him. God can only use that person because I like him. You understand? In any industry, in any job, where in the world, you tell me because I would like to work there. You know, maybe for a week. After a while, it's too much sugar. But... <laughs> Where would you find a place where everybody likes each other? Where there's just a total spirit of harmony. There's never a disagreement. And everybody just loves each other. Huh? Hello? Huh? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not here. Uh-uh. No? You know why? Let me... Great point. You're not dealing in reality. Every single successful church, you'll have issues. You know what you call more people in church? More problems. Because everyone has an issue. Everyone has a problem. Everyone has a, a, a way of being. Sometimes people won't like you just because you're breathing. Mark, sometimes people won't like you just because you're alive. But you have to be okay with that. That's all right, because human beings, we're quirky that way. We're tribal in nature. So in the larger churches, where you have hundreds of people, what you have is a lot of small tribes that are living together. And they've covenanted to be a part of that, but some don't like each other. You've, I've been in churches where the leaders don't like each other. But yet, they respect the anointing and the mantle that's on them, because they've gotten to that level of respect for each other. Look in scripture. Paul and Barnabas. Both of them lovely, wonderful men of God. So Barnabas is hanging out with Paul, the great apostle Paul, and he brings a young man named Mark. So Mark got flaky on Paul, and Mark says, I can't go to this missionary. I don't want to do that. He was young, young and experienced. He didn't want to go through all of that. I mean, Paul was, we go and we die together. You know, it's, you know, it's a good day to die. I mean, this, this is the way Paul was. It's totally sold out. It's like a Klingon. Yeah, he's a Klingon or something. Yeah. It's a good day to die. Yeah, and if you're a Stargate SG-1 guy, you, you, like a Jaffa, it's a good day to die, right? <laughs> you started it, I didn't. So, but yet the other people would have a problem. 
Yet one day, Mark flakes out on Paul, and Paul says, I don't want him. I'm, I'm, I got to go. I have no time, no time to waste. I got to preach. I got to be in every town. You know, I, I don't know how much time I've left. On. And Barnabas goes, you know, please, Paul, give him a chance. This kid's worthy. He can do it. No, no, Barnabas, I'm sorry. It said the contention grew so hot. It's right in the book of Acts that they parted ways. I'm talking about two great leaders that the scripture teaches on. Yet later on, you see Paul in one of his epistles, he says, please send me John Mark because he's useful to me in ministry. Apparently, later on, he saw how John Mark had, had uh, matured. He, he, and then later on, uh, Mark actually writes one of the Gospels, the book of Mark. But at one point, Paul didn't want anything to do with him. So if everybody's administrative that way to that level, to that pureness, it, I mean, there'll be nobody in the church. <laughs> but yet, that gift is needed in the church. So many times, most of our arguments and fights and disagreements will not come because of heinous issues. They'll come because of different characters. You know, the way we look and the way we emote. Listen, I mean, you, uh, Brother Puro said it perfectly. He says, even at home, husbands and wives. Listen, I've been married to my wife 33 years. I know she's not watching this. <laughs> so I can say this. <laughs> 33 years. And you know, <laughs> she's got a lot of witnesses though. So I need to tread softly. No, think about it. I mean, my wife, she, is, she's, she sees things more black and white. I am, I'm more colorful in my... Uh, my, I'm, I'm, she's more Paul and I'm more of a Barnabas so to speak it's colorful right but I've learned many times we're going to disagree on most things we disagree my wife and I but I have learned to understand she's a human being she has a right to have her opinion and as we're married if we don't understand that I'll want to always have my way and of course she's going to want to have her way and what's, what's that it's a recipe for disaster I know, because in our early days, that's exactly what happened. In our early days, <laughs> and that was just in the morning when you first wake up. <laughs> but, it's true, but what happens, little by little, we matured, and we realized, I love her more than I want to be right all the time. She loves me more than she wants to be right all the time. So we realized the value that we had in being together was greater than the value of always being right. Right? So, so we learned that. So in church and in ministry, this is exactly what happens. As we mature as a body, we realize sometimes another portion of the body needs more attention for a season. But that doesn't mean that we stop functioning. That, uh, okay, that's it. If I don't get my way, that's it. That's it. I'm not going to operate. Or just refuse. No, it's not the way it works. Whether my hand is, how can I say, whether my hand wants to or not, when it's time to clap, we be clapping. Yeah, that's it. It's time to worship. But I don't want to worship. Cállate la boca. Worship. That's right, because the head spoke. You understand? So as Christ speaks, he said, okay, my children, this is what I want. We go, I don't want to do it. That's what we're doing. We're literally fighting against the head. We're fighting against uh, the, 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 the bishop, the, the, the apostle of our souls. So we have to come to the understanding that number one, the gifts are his, they're not yours. Or it's mine, I'll do it 
Whichever way I want to, whenever I want to, at any time I want to. No, we're accountable to Jesus. Yes, yes. Because even though I have the gift, I'm walking with it, I'm just a steward. Say it with me, we're stewards. We're stewards. In other words, we're not owners. We are stewards. We really don't own anything that we have. Honestly. Some, sometimes we have, we have legal usage of it, but at any given time, we could lose it. You don't agree with me? Agree with me? Call some people in Arizona. I'm sorry, uh, Alabama. Right by the Mississippi. Speak to the people in Japan. Poor and rich alike. One, one night, they have everything. They have their homes, they have their cars, everything, jacuzzis, everything, money in the bank. The next morning, something happens, a natural disaster. They're in a lot on their little tent. And the only thing that they have is the clothing that they're walking with. You understand? So we really don't own anything in the largest scope of things. We have legal usage of stuff. But at any given time, that can be taken away from us. And Paul said it this way, I'm content whether I have a lot or have a little. I know what it is to have a lot, a little. I know what it is to have nothing. For preaching the gospel, they put him in prison. He lost it all. For preaching the gospel, they stoned him. They thought he was dead. That's how badly they stoned him. So, you know, we have to really mature to the place where we understand I'm a valuable gift to the body of Christ. Say, say that to your neighbor, you're a valuable gift. But, but God is the one that has deposited this greatness in you. The second thing, or rather the third thing, is that one attracts what one respects. One attracts what one respects. So in terms of the gifts of the Spirit, you will attract those areas that you respect. Some people don't respect the speaking of tongues. Some congregations, they won't want you to speak in tongues. They don't, they don't believe that that's active today. And that's fine. If, if I go to a place that doesn't speak, I will submit to that. Because I'm not the pastor right there. So I will submit to that process. I know this prophetess that she went to a church, a very large church. If I were to mention the name here, you all would know it. But they told her, so please do not speak in tongues here. I said, okay, all right. And she submitted to the, prof, uh, to the process, to the leadership. So, you know, but what happened? They could not draw from her gift. That congregation could not draw from the gift that she had on the inside. The only thing that we will attract is that which we respect. So come Wednesday and Thursday, if we respect that gift, that gift will be released in our midst. And it will be activated and we will be able to, to be blessed by it and blessed through it. So the other thing is that the more we commune with God the greater the gifts will manifest. The more we commune with God, the more the gifts will manifest. So how is our walk with life, or walk with God, our life with God, Monday through Saturday? Are we communing with Him? Are we speaking with Him? Is He speaking to us? Are we developing the relationship? Same, natural, same thing in the natural, same thing in the spirit. The people that you develop an intimate relationship with, you can get more out of. I guarantee you that I can get more out of Gwen than you can. By virtue of my individual relationship with her. She will prioritize if I ask her. And with you, she might do it, maybe yes, maybe no. If I ask her on a date, she'll go with me. If you ask her on a date, she might not. 
but it's all about relationship. I'm, I'm just trying to make a parallel. Because think about it, in the spirit is the same thing. Our relationship with God would dictate how much download we get from the Holy Spirit, from the prophetic, from the apostolic, from the evangelistic, whatever nature might be, from whatever you need. But it's all about relationships. So say to your neighbor, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. Mention uh, to your neighbor uh, or ask him this, how is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? So since we carry the gifts, part of our relationship with the Holy Spirit is how we honor and sanctify the gift that we possess. And how we honor and sanctify the gifts among us. And here's one great evil in the body of Christ. It's called familiarity. Familiarity. And here's a great problem and why it is that God cannot work in many churches. And I say churches because they're communities. And that's what I mean. I'm talking to community right now. Because that's what we're going to experience this as a community this coming week. As we become too familiar with the people, so the more familiar I'm with a person, the less I respect them. If I guarantee you that if I were to hire you and you were to work for me, you would have greater trouble me correcting you than me correcting a stranger. I guarantee it. Your friend hires you and then has to suspend you, you will catch such an attitude with your friend. You won't call them anymore. Forget the, ba the backyard barbecues. You won't visit their home anymore. You won't want to see them. You will not be able to act with them the same way you were before. I don't recommend that you hire your friends. Honestly. Well, hire them. Work with them. Well, you, sometimes I can work with a friend if we're both co-laborers. But if I become his boss, oh, jeez. If we're working together and so suddenly they elevate me or elevate him or her, and then they, they want to be administrative with me, I say, yo, who you think you are? But I know who you are. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and suddenly they, they suspend you for that. And then, and then after 4 o'clock, they want to say, oh, let's go have some dinner. Come on, it's not me. You, dinner with you? Are you you're out of your mind? I never want to see you again. No, I'm serious. This is the way we react. Same thing in church. We're worshiping God together, hallelujah, glory to God, love you, I just want to know you more. And you're having a great time, and suddenly they become a minister. And now they, they want to fulfill their responsibilities in a wonderful, holy, righteous manner. I don't know, who do you think you are? I'm in the church longer than you. You're going to come and supervise me? Really, this is how we, we act, we act like children. Spoiled little brats in the kingdom of God. But the problem is, if we don't honor those gifts, we're dishonoring God. Amen. Because ultimately the gift belongs to Him. So part of our maturity also has to do with respecting and honoring each other. In the larger churches, we see that. That they have grown to the level where they honor each other. So what will happen is somebody will come from the street and they'll see everything in order. They'll see how everything functions. They'll say, I like that. I could function with that. But yet within the house... Sometimes one gets elevated above the other and there's a big fight. Bah, bah, bah. And the fight is all about ego. It really isn't about you know, something really solid. It's just about ego. Because eh, I don't want you... Familiarity. So say this with me. Familiarity, Familiarity. Has, to be at the door. has to be checked at the door. 
really, we do. In order for the gifts to operate in, in their pristine manner, in a pure way, we have to honor the gifts of God in us. And we have to honor each other. I have to honor this man. I have to honor you. I have to honor you. If he, if he says something with regards to his responsibility, I will submit to that. Really, I do. I, I will not ignore the rule he put in place. Amen. You're welcome. No, the reason why is because this is a delegated authority. It's real authority. So who am I? Once it's established and once we agree uh, and it becomes binding, it becomes ratified, I myself have to submit to the process. And that's what I do. I submit to the process out of respect and deference for their gift and for their, um, their responsibilities in the kingdom of God. Because it's not about me. I'm not here to feel good. I'm here to add. I'm here to edify. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The next thing is, the gifts operate by love. They don't operate by anger. They don't operate by revenge. They don't operate by ego. They operate by love. But here's the problem. <clears throat> the problem is, is that the gifts are given without repentance. In other words, once God gives you a gift, it's in you. And what God will do is He'll hold you accountable as to how you serve your gift. So here's the issue. <clears throat> You're going to find in church many people operate in the gift and yet they're living immorally. Or they're, they're disobedient or whatever it might be. That can happen. So what will happen is as a person comes into church, God starts moving the gift. But the greater gift is the character and the maturity. So what will happen is as that person starts growing in the Lord, the gift will continue to operate, but now it will operate by love. First, it operates by talent. It operates by, you know, some of you could just sing like that. You don't even have to train your voice. Because you got it. It's, 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 me, I would have to train like five years. You know, just, just to get to kindergarten, so to speak. But a person that has that naturally, it's, it's, it's there. It's, it's beautiful. But as the person matures with that gift, now they take it to another level. So all of us will say, yeah, great gift. But the pros will say, rookie. I see potential in you. You understand? So in the kingdom of God, we see mm, persons operating, but they're a rookie. So we understand. There's nothing bad about that. It's, we're, we're at different levels in our education in the Lord. Our age has nothing to do with our walk with God, our chronological age. You could be 50 and a baby in the Lord because you just came into the kingdom. You could be 25 and already be a veteran because you were born and raised in the church and you really love the Lord and you've really been serving with all of your heart all those years. And you've you know, been mentored, you've been faithful in Sunday school and you, know, you just love the Lord and you're there. A 25-year-old might be more mature than a 50-year-old in the Lord. 25-year-old might be somebody's father, spiritual father. And yet his children is 40 years old. His child is 40 years old. See, so in the, in, in, in the spirit or in the kingdom of God, you don't look so much at the chronological age. You, you sense their maturity in their walk with God. And you'll, you'll tend to see, if the person's acting like a child, like a child would act, selfish and that, okay, they're, they're at this level. If you see the devil hits them and bam, they still stand, oh, so it's all right. I'm, I'm still all right with God. I'm still walking with God. Nothing's going to move me. You know, greater things have happened to my brothers all over the world. You go, mm, certain amount of maturity. That person's already been through several fights. See, and that's, that's where we are even as a congregation. There are different levels, and that's okay. 
But the issue is we have to grow up. We have to. We have to allow God to begin to mature us because the gifts need to operate ultimately by love. I've told you before and I say it again. I remember one day in one, one of these churches, I'm there and a girl, just a lady, just starts standing up, jumping up and down and acting like she's filled with the Holy Ghost and she starts pointing at her neighbor, which by the way was a visitor, first time visitor to the church. She has demons. She has demons. The lady looked at her. Okay. Fine. Walked out, never came back again. Now, what type of edification was that? That lady was out of order. She needed to be delivered. We need to bring her in church with a muzzle. She need not say anything. She's dangerous. So that's why, to a certain extent, we're... I'm not going to say hesitant, because the Bible says, do not forbid the speaking of tongues. It's a desire the spiritual gifts. I just want to say that I've seen so much in my walk with God. I've seen so much in churches that we tend not to just embrace everything quickly. We tend to, okay, fine, let's look at it, let's observe it, let's pray about it. And even here, if there's a word, you'll notice that people will come and just speak it in my ear, speak it to my wife's ear, one of the ministers, just to see, not to see if it's a word of the Lord or not, but just to see if it's time to release it. Maybe it's something for us to pray about it at the moment. Maybe some things God wants to speak to the individual so he could pray or she can pray about it at the moment. Or maybe the service isn't at the place where it's to be released at that moment. And then there'll be a key time where it's released. Other time, it's, it's a spiritual warning for us to pray. You understand? So, we're like that. But, uh, how many of you remembered, uh, what, three, four weeks ago, we had uh, uh, Israel de Jesus here? Wasn't that awesome? You had a good time. Totally different than I am. Yet, I totally welcomed it. I mean, that guy will take his shoe off, throw it at you. I mean, it's just, it's just the way he is. But I love it. I love it. And then, uh, Apostle Noen, well, he had a different style, right? He's more like, he's, he's almost like a general coming in, you know. That said, you all get an order or to the barracks with you. Uh, go to the bathroom and clean the floor with a little toothbrush. <laughs> I love it because it gives us different perspectives of the overall diamond. But we have to respect and honor these gifts. But these gifts, as they mature, they operate by love. Another thing is, we can get to places of influence, but only character will keep us there. So we'll find that your gift will open doors for you, but only your character will keep you. And the, the enemy will test your gifts. I'm going to say it again, because you didn't get that. You all have gifts. The enemy will test you to see what level you're at. Because he doesn't want the gifts that you possess to operate effectively in the kingdom of God. So he'll test you. How will he test you? Well, how did the enemy test Jesus? You theologians, how did the enemy test Jesus? With the word. With the word? But in what way? Hunger? What was that all about, the hunger issue? Uh -huh. If you're hungry, because the Bible says he hungered. He legitimately hungered. Uh, he hadn't eaten a couple of days, like 40. He's <laughs> hungry. So he said, well, if you're, if you're really the son of God, make these stones turn into bread. I mean, you can. You're the son of God, aren't you? If you really are, then go ahead and do it. So what's the problem with that? Bringing doubt. Bringing doubt? Okay, what else? 
Yeah, but in what way? What, what, how is that a test? He is the son of God. He can do it. Okay, okay. All right, the belief system, okay. Well, it was. It, it was a temptation. But, but what was so bad about it? No godly purpose to it. Well, you know, I mean, the Son of Man was hungry. But that was, he was being obedient. He was supposed to fast for his reasons. Okay, okay, there were reasons for the fast. But that, that was his response. Man, and, and that was the, the only right response. But see, if, he would have, if Jesus would have done that, he would have proved to him by ego, yeah, I am the Son of God. So, look, boom, you know, he was, he was working on his ego. You know, and, he was, and that was not the time for him to manifest himself just yet. There was a fullness of time where he was going to manifest the gift. See, so he was working on his ego, his pride. See, it's, it's the pride of life. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that the enemy will attack you in. And he'll attack all of you in those areas. And Jesus already overcame, so he, he can help you overcome. You can be victorious through Christ. In Christ, I can be victorious. Amen. The Spirit of God in you will give you yes. the strength. But it's going to be hard because it's going to tug at some things. And your, your, um, your attack or your temptation will always be at the place where you're weakest. Mm -hmm. yes. the, the chink or the crack in the armor. That's where he'll come at you because he knows you. The enemy is an expert of humanity because he's been there since the beginning of humanity. That's right. Almost what, 7,000 years or plus, or whatever it may be? So he knows humanity. He knows there's only uh, three or four buttons that make people go off. And he knows it over and over, and he knows you individually. He sends his emissaries to watch you. So what is your chink in the armor? What, what is your crack in the armor? What are the issues that you know, can get you out of place? I know for me, you, you can push my buttons. I mean, at work, you can push my buttons. Uh, a person talking to me, speaking to me derogatorily, you can push it, you can push it, you can push it. But it's only so, so much. I mean, just like all of you, you'll take a certain amount, but man, there's a button sometimes that you press, oh, wow. I remember one day I got so upset at my supervisor. So upset at him because he kept on criticizing every little thing. And he came to a brand new building where I was at, and we cleaned it. Brand new building, construction. There's there's dust and debris all over the place, mice and roaches all over the place. It's new construction. We cleaned it up, perfect. So he comes in. He sees one cigarette. Okay, fine. Some genius decided to put a cigarette there, and I worked so hard, Pudo. I worked so all my guys worked so everything was all spick and span. So all he does, say, what's this? What's this? Where well, you people aren't doing anything? What's going on? I'm going. <laughs> and he just kept on complaining about the stupid cigarette. <laughs> so finally I let him have it. I said, Well, listen, you got a problem with it? Fine. I'll, you know, uh, just fire me then. I mean, what's the matter with you? I mean, you, you know, what are you? Uh, and then I was bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> but you know something? He didn't hear me because he was so busy complaining. <laughs> <laughs> so after a while I went, I went stupid, <laughs> you know, I mean, I need this job, what's the matter with me? So I caught it before he caught me, but very easily I could have been fired. So God exposed to me that place. I still have some, uh, you know, that area needs to die. But I thank God none of you have any problems with those issues. I know it, I just, 
I know it. You're so humble and you're so quiet. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're mature. And then, you, know, I, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Not before you guys. Huh? But the truth of the matter is we all have issues. And that's where the enemy will attack. So just in the same way where you do, um, you, you lift weights. And let's say it's 20 pounds. And you're doing three and you're already, you know, how can I say? You're, you're maxing out the ability and it's too much pain. You know that you need work on that muscle. So after about six months, you're doing 20. You're going to be doing 30 and 40 of them like that with no problem. You know you've conquered that. In the same way, God's going to continue highlighting these issues, allowing the enemy to come in in different ways, shapes or forms or patterns, continuing to highlight things that you need maturity in. Amen? Praise God. Just like the scriptures teach, 1 Corinthians, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Look at verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. It says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, like for example now or in a small group at home, wherever it might be, each one of you has a psalm, a teaching, a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. Notice, interpret. Why? Because we want edification. I don't want to show how spiritual I am. I can start speaking in tongues right now. Wow, what a spiritual guy. No, some people talking in tongues are very fleshly. They exercise the gift, but the character is like not, not up there. It's for edification. There's, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three. So notice, it's not that you're going to be speaking tongues in the whole service either. Scripture even puts a limit. This shouldn't be happening all day long. Because the, 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 the most important thing is that we prophesy or teach the word or speak uh, of uh, the, the heart of God to the congregation. So part of prophesying there also is like what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm foretelling the word of God. I'm teaching you the word of God. And it says, if, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Wow. So you see, there is order. Even when the gifts are being um, manifest and exposed, there is order in the house. How many of you want a great move of God this coming Wednesday and Thursday? Amen. I do. And I say, you know, Lord Jesus, have your way. But even now the Lord's moving. The Lord's moving right now because He's opening up the eyes of your understanding. Right now you're, you're sitting down and, and receiving the word of the Lord. You know one time Paul was teaching and he spent too much time and there was a guy sitting in the window, it was the second floor, and he fell asleep on Paul. Somebody actually fell asleep on Paul. I don't feel so bad. Because sometimes I'm teaching you, I see some of you like this. <laughs> Yeah. And that's why I feel like taking out the water pistol. <laughs> but it'll happen, you know, sometime. What's that? Yeah, with the guy, he, he fell asleep. And the next thing that happened is he fell down. Fell out the window, fell down. And they had to pray for him and resurrect him right there. Yeah, in the book of Acts. So there, there are settings where it's, it's teaching. You know, we need the Word, and then the Word incarnates in us. 
What I share with you, now you take it, the Holy Spirit reveals to you the things that you need for your own personal life. So that with it you can grow. Because the Word is not just revelation, it's food. It's milk, it's meat. So what do you need for your body to stay strong? Nutrition. Nutrition. In the same way, this discipline, because this is a discipline, not everybody likes to do that. I remember the first time my, my dad came to church, avid Catholic, all of his life. He came to one of our services. His first critique, he says, I like the service. It's too long. You talk too much. <laughs> I said, thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, he, that's the first thing. This should be finished in one hour. I said, Dad, you're looking at it like a Catholic. Our services are a little longer. We're more, more emotive. We allow the gifts of the Spirit. We, we do worship and, you know, we teach a little longer. How much of you do want? Come on, talk to me about the Bible. What does it say about this? He didn't do nothing. So that's why, that's, that's the problem with, with many of these sermonette type of settings. People don't know the word. They want, they, they want quick in, quick out. They want like, like um, McDonald's. Forget, I don't want to sit in there. I want right through. Yeah, they want fast food. But what type of ministry are you going to get out of that? It, in the scripture, it doesn't talk about fast food ministry. It talks about waiting on the Lord. It, it talks about, you know, just, just being in His presence. Jesus would teach. He would, he would, he would use dinner to teach. He would, he would teach them on the way. He talked to them for hours, all day long. If you go and minister right now in India, they'll set you up on a service in the morning, and you'll teach all morning long. And if they can't sit, they'll stand all morning listening to you. Then they'll say, eat quick, and they'll be right there. Okay, what about the afternoon teaching? And you'll teach all afternoon, and they'll go and eat, and come back at the night. What about in the night? They want you to talk all day, afternoon, and night long. That's how hungry they are for the Lord. But here, us Americans, uh, pastor, you're out of order. You're, you're, you're beyond two minutes. <laughs> See, we're not disciplined in the things of God. But yet, we have no problem being in a movie that's two hours long. No problem. And then at the end we said, the movie was too short. Should have more action. Now the new thing is this. You'll watch the whole movie and then you'll sit and watch all the names go through and run all the credits because there might be a little more. Yeah, that's the new thing. That's yeah, they sit down. People just sit there. There might be a little, you know, a little manifestation of on the next movie. Yeah, and the, and they'll sit there the whole time, and they'll chat and everything until they after they finish. Then they'll leave a little more. Oh, 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 oh okay, now we'll leave. And then the light. Yeah, when the lights come on, when the people come in. Come on, let me clean, please. Get out of here. But yet in church. I, I, I don't see some of you hanging on to the words. I see some of you. Okay, Pastor. Okay, okay, Pastor. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's more important? We just want to be entertained. Since my body isn't being entertained anymore, now I, I feel I need to leave. No, you need to train. See, that's immaturity. I got no amens on that one. Because most of us are immature. And you're feeling that. What I just told you, I'm insulting you. <laughs> no, I'm insulting your flesh, basically is what I'm doing. Because your flesh wants to do whatever, whatever makes it feel good. 
But in the kingdom of God, many times our maturity will take us to places where our, our flesh doesn't want to go. But yet that's where the Lord will start ministering. And that's where the Lord will try you. And that's where the Lord says, now my son is ready. Now my daughter's ready.